I had to move up a little bit farther. I, I'm like, there's some people over here. I couldn't see who they were. So, hey, good morning. Good to have you. Isn't this great, folks? Isn't this special to see? We're going to be talking about this in just a moment, and um, you're going to see why. But first, uh, if you would, grab your copy of the Scriptures and find the book of um, 2 Samuel in chapter 9. If you have an iPhone or an iPad or an iPod or whatever, 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to be talking about the Bible's tiny Tim. And if you saw the, the subject line on that, the Bible's tiny Tim, who in the world is that? I, maybe some of you are thinking Zacchaeus, because he was kind of tiny. But we're talking about someone different here this morning, someone from the Old Testament and in the story and narrative of David. <clears throat> And we're going to be talking about the subject of kindness and God's kindness to us. This story about the Bible's Tiny Tim has all of the ingredients for Tiny Tim except for, and God bless us, everyone. That's the only thing that's not in this narrative, and it is really compelling. I want to talk to you today about kindness, and grab your study guide. We're going to work through this together on the back of your worship folder. <clears throat> kindness is to give courtesy and grace. To give courtesy and grace to another through your disposition or through your actions. Kindness matters, and it matters in a big way. <clears throat> Mrs. Adams always went to a branch post office in her town because the postal employees were so kind. And she went there to buy stamps just before Christmas. And the lines were particularly long. And someone pointed out to her, there's no need to wait in line for the cashier because there is a stamp machine in the lobby. I know, said Mrs. Adams, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. <laughs> Kindness matters. Can you think of someone who's kind right now? Get a, get a face or visual in mind, someone who's kind. And today I want to tell you about incomparable kindness. And you're going to hear it through a couple verses right now I want to give you and then through this narrative of the life of David Listen to these verses. Think of the kindness of God. Because, folks, let me just tell you, there is no kindness that compares with the kindness of God. Here's Titus 3, 4. It says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. And it's not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, the Bible says. Here's another one. It says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Forbearance and patience, not realizing it is God's kindness that draws us to repentance. That's Romans 2, 4. So God's kindness just lights up at Christmas. It was his kindness in which he gave his son Jesus Christ to come to earth for us. It was his kindness that caused his son to die on the cross for our sin. And those who believe in him will have forgiveness and everlasting life. It is his kindness for which he is with us every day and his spirit indwells and helps us in life. 
It is God's kindness that we celebrate, and his kindness has radically impacted people. And here's the truth. Our kindness can radically impact people as well. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this in Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we are going to learn of a man whose name we can barely pronounce, probably can't even spell, but whose life you will never forget when you walk out of here this morning. It's this man whose name is Mephibosheth. Now say it with me. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's just so much here for us to apply and to do. And if you're here today and you're, you've got blood pumping through your veins and you've got oxygen in your lungs, we've got something to take home with us today. So let's jump into it. 2 Samuel 9. This is your last chance to stand until the very end. So up on your feet. If you can, if you want to stay seated, you may. I'm going to read through um, 2 Samuel 9. You're going to see the narrative. And then I want to talk about God-like kindness. God-like kindness and what, it's, what it is. So here's verse 1, and it mentions David asked, Is there anyone still left of the household of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's out the house of Machir, son of Amiel of Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid. David said to him, for I surely will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Okay, have a seat. Here we go. Verse 3. Verse 3 kind of gives the narrative, the whole couching of 
our discussion this morning. And David, in his discussion with Ziba, says in verse 3, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? God's kindness, not just to whom I can show kindness, but to whom I can show God's kindness. What's God's kindness like? How would we describe God's kindness? And as we look down through this narrative right here, we're going to see some traits through David's activity with Mephibosheth, and we will understand what God's kindness is like. So here we go. God's kindness. Number one, get your study guide there. Let's look at it together. <clears throat> God-like kindness is proactive. It is proactive and centered to the text on kindness were the ardent efforts of David to find someone to show kindness toward. Now notice the text is clear in verse 1. David knew what he wanted to do. And David was the one that was saying, you know what? I am going to initiate this. I am going to be the one to reach out. I'm going to find someone to do this for. And that's where it all started. It all started in the heart and mind of David. Now just think about this. <clears throat> David was searching. David was initiating. He was the one that was trying to figure out where his kindness would be directed. And I don't know if that rings a bell for you, but folks, that is so God-like. And in fact, back in the Garden of Eden, at the time of the very first sin, and Adam and Eve hid away from God, and interestingly enough, it was God who was initiating, God who was looking, God who was searching, and he was looking for them. He's like, hey, where are you? Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, here's the beauty of it. The kindness of God didn't wait for us to come to him. And it's a good thing. True? Rather, he sought us out. He embraced us with his love. He sustained us with his grace. He keeps us with his power. And if you're here today, I'm telling you, your presence today is a reality that God has been seeking you out. He's been reaching into your life. He has been tugging at your heart. He has been drawing you. And here we are. So if we want to <clears throat> express kindness like God has, you must be, thank you, my dear. Look how kind she is to give me water. <clears throat> if you want to express kindness like God has, we need to seek. We need to look for ways to express it. I'm going to tell us a couple of practical things. Don't wait for it to come to you. Look for someone to show God-like kindness to. Make some phone calls. Maybe grab a deacon or elder and say, hey, do we know of anyone that
that I could show kindness to that needs assistance, that needs love, that needs financial support. Maybe talk about it in your small group. Maybe listen to what's going on around you and search out those with emotional needs or maybe look for a single parent or maybe look for a widow or maybe a large family with seven children. (laughs) Just a suggestion. You know, just like God sought us out in our need, we can be the ones that seek out other people in their need because God-like kindness is proactive. It really is. Here's number two. God-like kindness is inconvenient. And there's a couple ways that we see this inconvenience. I'm not sure verse one stuck out to you. It may not leap off the page, but verse one says, David asks, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? To whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now catch this. This is crazy. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the challenge back in this narrative between David and Saul. Saul used to be the king of Israel. And David, God had appointed him to be the next one in line. Saul didn't really like that. And Saul over and over tried to have David killed. In fact, I'm just going to pop back a few pages and catch out what, what they call their relationship in 2 Samuel 3, verse 1. Listen to this. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. The war. Here's another one in verse 6. It says, it, during the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, there was a big, big problem. The house of Saul was David's enemy. Saul was the one who sought to kill David. And then when Saul had died and David was king over part of the nation, the other king over part of the nation, Saul's other son, Ishbosheth, fought David and tried to keep his reign from spreading throughout Israel. So the house of Saul, apart from Jonathan, Saul's son, who was David's friend, apart from Jonathan, the house of Saul was David's biggest enemy in opposition. And interesting to note, all of the emotional baggage, all of the issues there between David and Saul didn't get in the way of David reaching out to his enemies with kindness. And not only was Mephibosheth a part of Saul's house, there was another way that was inconvenient. I want to show you something else. It it doesn't necessarily stick out, but, but here when Saul, or when David asked Ziba, where is Mephibosheth? He had mentioned that he was in Lodabar from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. Now, it wouldn't stick out to us, but here's the deal. That was 50 miles away. 50 miles for us, not a big deal today. 50 miles back then, a big deal. A very big deal it would have required a significant amount of effort. And this gives us an understanding about God's kindness. God's kindness is not always convenient. It could come when you're low on money. It could come when you're tired or when you're strapped for time or when you're not feeling well. 
It could come when you're low on resources or when the other person isn't even kind to you. But you know, we're not just talking about kindness. We're talking about God-like kindness. And when we are kind, when it is the most inconvenient time, that's when our kindness is most like God's. Here's number three. I love this. God-like kindness is unbiased. Unbiased. Mephibosheth, not only did he live 50 miles away, he was unpopular to be around. He was an outcast. And here's the tiny Tim. Okay, you probably wonder where does Tiny Tim come in? Here's where it comes in. <clears throat> because Ziba mentions in verse 3, in answer to David's question, isn't there anyone alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. Notice the caveat. Lame in both feet. And in fact, this is repeated multiple times in the text. Lame in both feet. Lame in both feet. And you wonder, how did this happen? Well, basically in chapter 4, verse 4 of 2 Samuel, what happened is um, Jonathan, David, or Saul was killed, Jonathan was killed, and then basically anyone was of, of Saul's line would have been killed. Like, and and the, the nurse grabbed a hold of Mephibosheth and ran with him to try to save him from being killed. And when they were running, he fell, and it mentions he became crippled in both of his feet. I, I kind of picture either he broke his ankles or his lower legs and probably both of them were like bent in and he just could not walk. So here he was crippled and, and it's interesting, even Mephibosheth saw himself in that way. In verse eight, he said to David, what is your servant that you notice a dead dog like me? Like, really? Now, in our day, there are handicap entrances, there's handicap parking, there's handicap accessibility, there's elevators, there's restroom facilities. In their day, <clears throat> no one cared about the cripple. Do you know how they existed? Go out and beg. You go out and beg for your own existence. Other than that, we're, we're not here to help you. And I could hear Ziba saying to David, where's Mephibosheth? Well, he's crippled in both feet. And, and then probably waiting for David to say, well, then um, who else could there be to whom I can show kindness? But David responded, well, where is he? And then he found out he's 50 miles away in a town called Lodabar. Get him. Let's go. It's God-like kindness. Here's number four. Some of you are thinking, wow, number, we are on number four? Are we getting out at 1120? The answer to that is no. God-like kindness is, number four, excessive. This rocks. It is crazy excessive. Mephibosheth comes... David connects with him. And here's what he says. Everything that belonged to your grandpa Saul is yours. The cripple that no one cared about 
who could have been left to beg, now all of a sudden has all of the land and all of the riches of King Saul. Can you get over that? And then he says, uh, Ziba, just round up the servants because you all are going to farm the land. And all of the crops from all the farmland go to Mephibosheth. That is off the hook. That is crazy excessive. But here's the most beautiful thing about the whole deal. David not only said, okay, give him the money, give him the land, give him the crops. This is the thing that I love. In verse 10, and Mephibosheth, David said, grandson of your master will always eat at my table. Now that's cool. And the text mentions, it goes on in verse 11, Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth, and did you notice the phrase in here, ate at David's table, here's the phrase, like one of the king's sons. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. Just like one of his boys. And there's just too many parallels in this story to the kindness and love that God shows. He sought us out. He gave his life for us. He loved us despite our failures. He poured out his love on us excessively. He made us his kids. And that's genuine kindness, folks. That's God-like kindness. That's what we need to show. It's a fruit of God's Spirit working in us. It is something that makes a difference in our world. I want to talk to you in our time remaining <laughs> about some really special ways that we have been able to show kindness and that happened in our church family. And I'm going to ask Joanna Rhinus if she would. Is Wendy Downey here as well? Um, would you two please come up from the Pregnancy Care Center of Traverse City? Here's a project that our church took on two months ago. And it, I may brag in kind ways, come on up, Joanna, um, about our church family that I love. I asked two months ago, hey, could we get four dressers that we can fill for the Pregnancy Care Center? You want to know what happened? We got offers to buy seven. Isn't that fantastic? And yeah, that's what I'm saying. And we capped it at four because we knew we also had to fill them. And then I was getting nervous. Would we be able to fill them? Well, um, take a good look over here, people. This is just fantastic. And I, I have, I've got seven kids. I've never seen so many diapers in my life over here. I, I got I to tell you, when we went out to get something for the dressers, I'm like, I am not walking out of the store with diapers under my arms. Could you imagine the rumors that would go around church? <laughs> if someone from church saw me walking out with diapers on him, yeah, that would not be good. Probably be a prayer chain issue too, I would assume. 
We wanted to show folks God-like kindness. I'm going to tell you how we did it. Number one, there were less expensive dressers we could have gotten that were cheaper, that were made out of particle board, and not that there's anything wrong with those. These are made out of solid wood and plywood. They are a third bigger, and they're actually gorgeous. They are beautiful. And I can only imagine the look on a mom's face when this thing comes into her house for her and her little baby. Uh, What a shot in the arm. And then the biggest and probably the best thing is not what you're seeing, but it's what Joanne and I are seeing from the back is all the signatures and all the verses and all the statements of love and grace to this new family is just a special thing. And so... um, from our church, East Bay Calvary Church. We officially present these four dressers, all of the contents, to the Pregnancy Care Center of Traverse City. God bless you. For sure. I think they'll get it here. Okay, thanks. Well, thank you so much. I feel like that's really adequate. This is unbelievable. I'm sorry. Yeah. The people who get these dressers Is are this really thing working? Cool. Hold on here. Sorry. I want to hear this. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like I get emotional every time I talk about this because these people are real people that get yeah. these. Um, they're people that you know, and um, we save them for people who typically were considering aborting and didn't have the support they needed to parent. And after getting medical care, which is what we offer, where our main focus is our medical clinic, so we can give them pregnancy confirmation, they can see their baby on the ultrasound, and then we give them accurate, truthful information, and then they get to decide what they want to do. And if they decide to parent, we want to be there for them. Yeah. And a lot of them, they don't have support, and they aren't being celebrated, and it's a big deal. And so us being able to not just, um, a lot of time in the pro-life movement, we are so uh, tunnel vision focused on the baby's value that we forget the parents' value, who are grown-up babies. Um, And we also forget that that's, once the baby's born, that's not the end. All the parents, any parents in here, (laughs) that's not the end of their journey. And um, babies cost a lot, and especially unexpected babies are really, there's a lot that comes with that. So being able to support these parents is, I can't even tell you how big that is. And so being able to offer them something like this, and from a church where they expect a lot of judgment, that is such a big deal. And talk about the church living out God's love, that's what that looks like, is someone who feels really ashamed of themselves often, and like they've failed, and a church celebrating them is so amazing. We had um, a young girl who's a teenager. We usually are the women we serve are mostly in their 20s, but we had a girl who was about 19 or 20, and she came in, and she was, um, it was kind of one of those things where she just kind of had met up with a guy and was not wanting to be with him long term and got pregnant, which is kind of the nightmare, <laughs> and um, didn't want him in her life long term, and so she was definitely considering aborting. Um, And so she came in, we were able to get her all the information she needed and some medical care. And during that time, we got to talk with her. 
and she was kind of still undecided, like, I just don't know that I can parent. I just don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'll have the support I need. I just don't know. And so we prayed like crazy for her and invited her to come back when she was a little further along because she said, I'm so confused. I just don't know. So we're like, well, just take time to think about it. There's no rush, and you can come back, and we'll figure it out then. So a lot of times when that happens, they don't even come back. So we were praying like crazy for her that she would come back, and she did. And we went in there and saw that baby, and it just completely changed her heart. And she was able to make that connection that this is my, you know, my baby. This isn't just a problem. Because um, usually with unplanned pregnancies, the baby um, and the pregnancy is what people look at as the problem. Um, it's easy to blame because it's the new thing. But really the problem is financial. It's lack of support. It's that you don't want to be with a partner. It's usually one of those are that's the true problem. So being able to help them shift on what are their needs and how can we meet those needs for you is how we can support them. So with this young girl, we were able to be there for her and offer her a dresser that we had at the time. And when she came in, she was like a pretty serious person and she teared up and we started going through the dresser with her and showing her, it was from a student group, and showing her this one person made this blanket and this person did this and she just started crying and she was like, I can't believe they do this for me. And she felt so humbled. And then she started looking at it. She was, I didn't have a baby shower. You know, I didn't get one or anything like that. So I don't have really anything. And so she sent us later a picture after she had her daughter. Um, she sent us a picture of her room. And it was completely full of things that she got through the pregnancy care center. Awesome. So that is what these dressers will go to is real families who need to know that they're loved. And these dressers, for me, I think they're just a symbol of every time they look at them, they're reminded that they are important and that they're loved. And it hopefully gives them courage to know that they're not going to parent this baby alone. So that's what we're hoping that these will stand for for them is that declaration that there's a whole church of people that care enough about them to spend their own money. So thank you. Hold still here. Get a couple pictures here. Why don't you hold tight here for a moment, Joanna? <clears throat> Since these are going to real people um, with real needs, we wanted to take a moment and pray for them. And Larry and Betty McDonald, would you guys come on up, please? <clears throat> I've asked Larry and Betty if they would um, take a moment and uh, pray in regards to all this. <clears throat> My name is Betty McDonald, and on November 15, 1946, I was born to an unwed mother who chose life, mm -hmm. and I was put up for adoption in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. She found a Christian agency that supported and counseled her during her pregnancy. After I was born, I was placed through that inter, uh, agency into a Christian home and adopted. In this present day, the Pregnancy Care Center also chooses life and supports and counsels new mothers here in this area. And I'm glad that uh, her mom decided to give her life because yeah. This is whom I am well pleased with. You know, sitting there and looking at all the diapers, you start with diapers, 
And the N-word diaper. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> Through the pregnancy care center, the, the ladies receiving the dressers have the that have the courage to go through with their pregnancies. And as was so nicely stated, the uh, support sometimes just isn't there. And, uh, the being afraid of what the next step is and waiting, you know, just to see who's going to help me because there's no book that comes along with having a baby. And somehow the Holy Spirit put it in the mind of one person here at East Bay Calvary Church who acted on it. And look what happened. I mean, it was a purely a God thing. Uh, like was said earlier, to see the ladies' faces when they view all that clothing and diapers and gift cards and precious notes on the back. Uh, one even had a note that... Uh, I'm available for babysitting, and even had their phone number on there. It wasn't like, guess who? <laughs> These ladies really do need uh, to be encouraged and loved and supported, and so far through the Pregnancy Care Center, I think they're getting that. Is it possible that the child, when they're three or four years old, could look at the back of the dresser and say, what is all this stuff? And the mom would have uh, the or hopefully uh, to be able to tell the child what the verses mean and uh, that if mom is not included in uh, God's book of life that perhaps her and the child could be uh, given salvation. This is not a busy work project but a love project initiated by God and I truly believe that. Um, let's just have a word of prayer. Holy Father, we praise you from whom all blessings flow. Father, in the book of Philippians, your word tells us that we must be careful to do good things that result from being saved. We are admonished to not be selfish, to not live to make a good impression on others. You have instructed us to be humble, thinking of others as better than ourselves. We are not just to think of our, our affairs, but to be interested in others too, and and in what they are doing. Father, thank you for this opportunity, for putting the thought of these dressers in the heart and mind of someone here at East Bay. This tells me that you have blessed our gift rather than us asking you to bless it after we had done it. This is not about East Bay Calvary, but about the moms-to-be. God, I pray that they would be able to sense not only our love, but your love, which is more important. I pray for the health of the mom and the babies before and after, they're born, uh, after the child is born. We pray for salvation, not knowing what their relationship is with you. I pray that uh, someday we would be able to meet these gals and uh, celebrate with them and continue to support them. Father, we do thank you for your indescribable gift to us, that being your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, Amen. You guys, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 
if you have any questions uh, for Joanna in relationship to the uh, Pregnancy Care Center, she'll be in the foyer um, after the service. Here's a really neat story <clears throat> from um, a family in our church. They said our family was challenged by uh, the sermon a couple weeks ago. We decided to look for a way we could sacrifice as a family in order to give more this Christmas season. And we often splurge on a 10-foot tall tree that fits in a particular spot in our living room. <clears throat> We've enjoyed looking at a massive Fraser fir with soft branches all loaded with ornaments every Christmas since we moved into our home. This year we chose as a small family, as our family, a small tree with plenty of bare spots and sharp needles. And they said, and I mean sharp needles, that will not make it to Christmas. We saved $75 on our tree. We took the $75 and the kids shopping for items for deck the dressers. We had so much fun picking out baby items. It seemed like a small sacrifice, but it was one in which our whole family could participate. The tree's needles are so sharp that we've all been injured by it. It poked us, leaving holes in many of us. Each time we strung the lights, placed a star, or hung an ornament, and each time we said, ouch, we followed it by a comment about how this sacrifice could bless someone else. We are thankful to God for such a vivid picture of sacrifice for our children as well as for us. We got another story of God's kindness, and this one's on video. Let me take a second and watch this with us. Okay, my name is La Vita Ivory, like ivory soap. And my name is Sydney Lauren Ivory. Uh, my story starts uh, about two years ago. Um, my husband passed in 2016, and it was a sudden thing. It was like overnight he went to the doctor, and he didn't come back home. He was supposed to be there at 12 o'clock, and then at 6 o'clock, and he didn't come back. I started checking to see you know, where he was, but he wasn't coming back. At that point, I started finding out a lot of things that I didn't know. And after I added up all of my bills, that was $120,000 in debt. And so it was time to, um, to do a new thing. And so uh, my daughter, she had been waiting on, on a job and they still weren't coming through. They, you know, they said, we'll come back to you next week, come back to you next week, come back to you next week. And I wasn't working at the time. I was doing women's ministry, and that wasn't going to be where we could live off of. And the money that I had saved up, I was going to have to keep us afloat for a while. So my daughter decided that she was going to go into prayer and see what was God saying, because, okay, God, my mama running out of money. My daddy did. What you going to do, you know? And so she, she went into prayer, and about 40 minutes later, she said, Mom, I got two emails from Traverse City, and um, they want to give me an interview. And I said, when? And she said, in the morning. And I said, okay, we're packing our, our things, and, and, and we've got we to get out of here, you know. And she said, but we can go to the storage, and I can get to Traverse City. And <laughs> I said, okay. So I said, okay, not meaning okay because at that point, my, my engine light had 
at Kmart. And so I knew God wasn't saying we're going to Cat Traverse City because the engine light is on. And then when we got to the storage, she couldn't get in the storage. So God was saying no. And she said, no, God is, is saying yes, I'm going to call and, and I'm, I'm going to delay my, my interview, but I'm going to be there. So we, we did that. And with the engine light on, I came to Traverse City. To my surprise and my amazement, she, she got the job. And um, now it wasn't what they said it was going to be. It wasn't 40 hours a, a week. All the things they promised, it wasn't going to be any of those things. She was going to get paid every two weeks, and it was going to be part-time hours. So um, that wasn't going to work. And I was expecting um, to find a place like easily, you know what I mean? Like you pay like your rent every you know month or whatever. So I was like calculating like based on what she told me. Like I was like expecting like my paycheck to be a certain way. So with that like in the back of my, my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm set, I'll be fine. And then when I just kept coming up short because I had to pay for so many things that I, I had downstate, I'm just like, okay, wait, I am so short. So I was like, oh, I'll just get hotels and stuff. Mm. Yeah, that, did, that didn't last very long. Nope. <laughs> I, I, was, I was sure I was gonna be able to like like bank on that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that did that did not happen. We were losing a lot of money really quick. Yeah, like real quick. And and, and she didn't want to, she didn't want to give up because she had made up her mind. And so she said, "Let's stay in the car." I didn't I didn't I didn't know if she could handle being in a car because you don't know what the the temperatures are going to be. And because I I um I have a sun allergy. She said, maybe that's not gonna be the, the wisest thing because all day while I'm at work, you'll have to sit in the sun. And so we, we stayed sometime in, 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 in hotels or, or, or motels or, and then sometimes we, um, we just stayed in the car. And the, the night before the car just died, Remember it rained? Yeah, it rained like all day. It rained and I was so tired and I was so hot. And, and by that time, my skin was really starting to, to peel and my hands were, you know, just pretty, you know, pretty burnt from the, the, the sun. And But I said, Lord, let it rain. I said, rain, rain, rain. Because it just seemed like something was coming. Like it's, it was something coming in the rain. Mm -hmm. And then... <laughs> The car died. I said, okay, this is not funny. <laughs> the next day is when I when I met Matt. Yeah. I, I met I met Matt like like two weeks before. So I walk into Staples and I see Matt. And so I kinda like just walk over there and I'm like, hey, I need to speak to the manager. And then he gave me this look of like, I am not getting the manager for you. <laughs> I don't know what your problem is, and it ain't happening today. <laughs> I was like, well, it's not that serious. You know, I just want to charge my phone. He was like, oh, okay, sure. I was like, that was easy. So um, he let me charge my phone. And so we just ended up like randomly talking about random stuff. And then at one point he mentioned uh, about East Bay and like how, how much he loved his, loved his church and his pastor and everything. We ended up exchanging contact information, everything. Yeah. He was like, well, if you need anything, you know, holler at me. Uh, my name is uh, Matt Peplinski, and I've been coming to East Bay for about a year. I know when, when I got the call, um, I 
had no idea how to respond. In that moment, um, I just knew the first step that God wanted me to take, and I was just very reluctant to take it. And so it wasn't just an automatic, oh, this is the right thing to do, I'm gonna do it. It was just a very much an internal struggle of just like, oh, I'm starting my first year of teaching, having my own classroom, and it starts first day of classes on Monday, and this is on the weekend before, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm stressing out, I'm freaking out, and I'm like, God, this is not a great time. Right. Like, <laughs> seriously, you chose right now. Um, I mean, I just had to kneel down and pray, and just, um, just through prayer, God was just like, just take that first step. Like, you gotta trust me, you know? Like, once you take that first step, then I can start to move. After I really felt called to make that first step, I know I um, got in contact with Sydney. I was like, where are you? And she's like, ah, oh, we're around the Walgreens. And so I go, and I know Sydney and I walk around a little bit. We talk about what's going on. And then I was just like, just come stay at my place. The problem was, too, we, we were having difficulty being, being accepted here. And so people weren't apt to want to rent. And, and he understood, he oh, yeah. understood that, yeah. you know, he, he, he understood everybody wasn't gonna be as open-minded as he was. We stayed with you, was it, was it seven days, eight days, something like that? Yeah, a little over a week. And that, that gave us enough time to make the connections that, that we needed to, to make. I just come end of the week, just completely exhausted from that first week with my class. No, no. And just on my drive home, I remember, um, I remember praying, like the same same type of prayers that I had prayed throughout the week, but I was just like, no, like I gotta be intentional. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that moment, I was just like, I'm not just gonna pray for vague things. Like we've been working at this all week. We've been trying to find a place. Lord, I know that you will provide. Yes. And I know that you have all of this under control. Mm -hmm. um, just like, just move us mm -hmm. and yeah. we will do whatever and just like I came home and I just I've almost never felt more sure about something mm -hmm. I remember you were looking at me like I was crazy I know mm -hmm. we've been making calls and going to places all week but no this is happening right now and we go to the place and we sit down with the people and there was like it wasn't a sure thing once we left but I remember you and me we're just like no yeah you guys have the place <laughs> I, re I remember thinking I said this is either divinely orchestrated or this boy is crazy because he didn't know us and Matt is not the kind of person that you um, seldom meet but that you rarely meet it was like God was speaking through him in some kind of way that I I just don't even understand you didn't have to ask him you didn't have to to beg him he would just offer I don't even know where it was coming from. I don't know at all, but he was just right there each step of the way to like um, cushion blows that we had already had. It, he was like a cushion. Life sometimes just comes in and I mean, you get punched in ways that you're not expecting to get pushed, but it seems like for every hit we were getting, Matt was like a cushion. He was like, he was allowing you to bounce off of him. He didn't have to do that. And, and he wasn't afraid. Matt was not afraid. And I think only the, 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 the leading of the Lord can cause you not to be afraid. When everything inside of you is the saying to give up, to let go, to push back, 
and you hold on and you keep on and you, I think it was a part of travailing with him too because not having done that, it had to be kind of scary. And then he had to be asking himself, okay, why, why am I doing this? In other words, what's in it for me? And, 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 and many times I think that's a, a, a worldly thought, not necessarily a Christian thought, but we're human. So naturally you're thinking, okay, how is this gonna benefit me down the, 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 you know, down the road? He never asked for anything. And he, he, did, he never seemed to, um, to be anticipating anything. We just truly just thank God for him. He's, he's been, not only has the Lord been a present help in the time of trouble, Matt has been present even when we didn't know. We didn't know that we would need a present help. Proactive, yeah. Inconvenient, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Unbiased, excessive. That's God's love. And it makes a difference. And, and here's the two things I just want to give us as we finish today. I would love for you to accept God's love if you have not yet already. This is a whole deal with Christmas. The whole deal with Easter, with Good Friday, you know, we celebrate with holidays the love of God. That's how awesome it is. And if, and if you're here and you're wondering, man, where am I at with this God? You know, what's going on? Do I know if I'm going to go to heaven? Are my sins forgiven? Am I in a right relationship with him? Here's, here's what it comes down to. We need to realize, like Mephibosheth, we're spiritually crippled. Maimed, we, we cannot recover ourselves. And God, in His proactive, inconvenient, unbiased, excessive kindness, sent Jesus Christ at Christmas to die on the cross, which is Good Friday, and He rose from the dead, which is Easter. And what He needs us to do is acknowledge that we are sinners, realize we're incapable of self recovery. And say, God, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me. Make me your son. Make me your child, your daughter. And live for him. That's what you need to do. Accept God's love personally. Don't just know about it, but personally embrace it. Here's the second one. Show it. Show it. Be the present. Be the thing that other people need. Show his kindness to others. And God's love stands out for so many reasons. And you know what? In our world today, if we show God-like kindness, that will stand out for so many reasons. Be the present. I was joking around in the office, like, don't give someone a fruitcake. Be the fruitcake. Be the thing that they need. Be Jesus to them. You want to make a difference in your world? That's how we do it. I read a story. <clears throat> we'll finish with this. During my second year of nursing school, 
Our professor gave us a quiz. I breathed through the questions until I read the last one. Everything was no problem, and then this one came. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? Surely this was a joke. I had seen the cleaning woman several times, but how would I know her name? And I handed in my paper, leaving the last question blank. And before the class ended, one student raised their hand and said, will that question count toward our final grade? Absolutely, the professor said. Because in your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care even if all you do is smile and say hello. Joanne Jones finishes her sentence here in her story. She says, I've never forgotten that lesson. And I also learned her name is Dorothy. Accept God's kindness to you. Let's not make Christmas just a holiday. Let's make it something personal, people where the, the man that we celebrate, Jesus Christ, the God-man, is ours. And we know him, we receive him, we love him, we embrace him. And then let's turn it around and be who he is to our world around us. Sound good? Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, let's stand together. I want to pray for you. You know, if you have any questions about where you are with God, if you're saying, you know what, I really sense I have another step to make, or I did accept God in this service, I would love for you to connect with us in the church office. You can email us. All of our info is online. We would love to hear from you. This is more than a place to attend. This is a place that attends to you. Connect with us. And then God bless you in your Christmas endeavors. We hope to see you tomorrow evening at 6. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your kindness to us, incomparable. Being proactive and inconvenient and unbiased and excessive, you showed your love to us with Jesus who came for us. So those who believe in him will be forgiven and will have eternal life. God, thank you so much. Continue to use East Bay Calvary. Grow us. Help us to be more like you. And may it show in our world. May it show in our homes. And God, lastly, um, bless through these dressers some women and babies that will be touched for eternity. God, we love you. We celebrate you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless your day.